Um, as he said, uh, I am a missionary with Mission Go, uh, or formerly known as Global Outreach Mission. They're located right here in Buffalo. Uh, they've been around for 75 years. They've got between 300 and 350 missionaries in uh, 57 different countries around the world. Um, and this whole COVID time has been very interesting for missionaries. One, because as many people have suffered financially, that trickles down also to missionaries that are really struggling financially. But we also have missionaries that can't travel back home even to go and visit churches and, and uh, raise support and all that kind of stuff. But they also have a really hard time even doing ministry. Um, Thursday, I was on a Zoom call with missionaries of ours in Nice, France, which is right on the southern coast of France, right on the Mediterranean Sea near Italy. And um, France is in a shutdown right now. So they get one hour a week to leave their house to buy groceries. And if they, are, if they violate that, they are thrown in prison for 30 days. So we think we have a there's a lot of places in the world that are really, really hard. But God is still at work, right? We live absolutely in a wonderful, wonderful time. And the reason I say that is because every day that we're here on this earth is one day closer to the Lord's return. Amen? Right? We have a lot to be excited for because we start to see some of the pieces of the end time sort of put together and we live in a really exciting time. There's also a lot of people right now are searching for truth, right? If we look um, in just our politics, that's the atmosphere that we're in right now with the presidential election and all that stuff, everybody is looking for truth, looking for what is the real thing in any situation, right? So even over the last four years of, of President Trump's presidency, there's been a lot of turmoil and so on, but in all of that, what are they looking for? Really, what's the truth of anything, whether we watch the news or whatever? Is it a lie? Is it not a lie? Is it, you know, fake news has been a big thing? But it's easy for us to be deceived, isn't it? Very easy. So I go to the Dominican Republic quite often, um, and the Dominican Republic is very interesting because it is technically a a Catholic or a Christian nation, they actually have the open Bible on their flag. But if you go there and you start to talk to them, there's a lot of spiritual influences that are there. There's Mormonism, there is uh, Jehovah Witnesses, Catholicism, spiritualism, the prosperity gospel, uh, a lot of satanic worship and voodoo, especially in the Haitian villages. There's a mix of everything. And what happens is when we go to present the true gospel to them, they're very leery of it, right? Because it appears at first to just be blend in with all the other things out there. But we know by what God's word said is that there's one true God, right? There is a true God. And Jesus actually came and said in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now just think about that. There's never been anybody in history that said, I am the truth. There's been a lot of people that said, I'll show you the truth, okay, but not claiming to be the truth. Well, that's Jesus Christ, our Savior. And the only way that he can actually do that is if he was actually true, right? When I was a youth pastor, and even now when I talk to teenagers, <clears throat> they're looking for the same thing. They're looking for truth. They don't want anything that's counterfeit or fake. 
So I ask them and I say, if you believe in truth, that there is an absolute truth, which is a hard thing for a lot of people these days because they think truth is relative. Your truth may be different than my truth, but it, yet we throw it all together to say that it's truth. Well, that's an easy one to dismiss, right? So you may say that two plus two equals eight, and you can believe it with all your heart, right? You absolutely can. But we know, even just in mathematics, mathematics there's truth. Two plus two is four. So you may believe it with all your heart, but when you go to the bank, they're going to correct you, right? Okay, the same thing. I can believe it with all my heart that I can fly. Why? Because I've had flying dreams. How many have had flying dreams? Oh, they are awesome. They are just absolutely, I wake up in the best mood after I've had a flying dream. You know, now I can believe that with all my heart. And I've also been in a plane, so I know what it looks like up higher as well. But I could go up on the roof of this church, believing that I can fly with all my heart, and jump off. And now I believe it, and I have conviction. In fact, I'll even get a few to go up with me to believe the same thing, right? But when I jump off, what's revealed? Truth, right? What's the truth of that situation? Gravity. It wasn't based on my beliefs. It was based on truth. Truth will always reveal itself to be true every single time so the world that we live in there's a lot of counterfeit things out there i brought with you brought with me a uh, this is a 2000 not a 2000 dollar bill it's a 2000 peso bill from the dominican republic and uh, it's roughly about 40 dollars and if you take this to a store in the dominican republic the first thing they're going to do is they're going to look at it okay and they're going to wet their fingers and go like that because they're gonna see, does the ink come off? Is it real or is it counterfeit? The next thing they're gonna do is they're gonna hold it up, and on the side here, there's actually a silhouette inside of it of one of their founding fathers. And the other thing, there's actually a metal strip there. There's a whole bunch of other things that they have on there that are very unique for the whole purpose of to prove that it's not counterfeit, to prove that it's real. We all fall into that, right? We want to believe truth. Well, with our currency and other things, we're always trying to expose those things that are fake. But for us, it's really easy to be deceived. I'm gonna do a little exercise for you, for you guys. Now, I'm gonna put my mic down because I have to use two hands with it. Which one of these is bigger? Which one? You guys can say it. The yellow one, right? for us for our eyes to get deceived right but the truth of it is they're both identical they're the exact same size but it's so easy for us to be deceived the bible tells us that it's easy for us to be deceived as well so i want you to look if you have your bibles i want you to open up to jeremiah in jeremiah 10 i'm going to read verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> in first john there's many times where um John talks about and warns us to not be deceived by false teachers and those that are out there that are preaching heresy and, and basically that we test the spirits. In fact, in 
1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. But I just showed you it's real easy to be deceived, right? We don't want to be, but it's easy for us. So the scriptures tell us to be very careful of what we worship. Because sometimes we can be deceived in what we worship instead of actually worshiping a true God. And I'm going to show you how easy it is in our world to be deceived and how subtle it can be as well. But let's look at Jeremiah 10, verses 1 through 10. And whatever Bible you have, um, there's probably a couple different translations here. I'm going to read to you this morning. I study from the New King James, but I want to read from you just, just because of time from Jeremiah from the message, which is a paraphrase, okay, that Eugene Peterson did, but he words this absolutely beautiful. But you can follow along in your scriptures as well. Jeremiah 10, verse 1. Listen to the message that God is sending your way, house of Israel. Listen most carefully. Do not take the godless nations as your models. Don't be impressed by their glamour and glitz, no matter how much they, they're impressed. The religion of these peoples is nothing but smoke. An idol is nothing but a tree chopped down, then shaped by a woodsman's axe. They trim it with tinsel and balls, use hammer and nails to keep it upright. It's like a scarecrow in a cabbage patch. It can't talk. Dead wood that has to be carried can't walk. Don't be impressed by such stuff. It's useless for either good or evil. All this is nothing compared to you, O God. You're wondrously great, famously great. Who can fail to be impressed by you, king of nations? It's your very nature to be worshipped. Look far and wide among the elite of the nations. The best they can come up with is nothing compared to you. Stupidly, they line them up, a lineup of sticks, good for nothing but making smoke gilded with silver foil from Tarshish, covered with gold from Euphaz, hung with violet and purple fabrics. No matter how fancy the sticks, they're still sticks. But God is the real thing, the true living God, the eternal king. When he's angry, earth shakes, yes, and the godless nations quake. Don't you love that? The idols, now he's talking about nations back then that actually had idols. They would, they would make wood sculptures and stuff and worship these things, okay? But in Deuteronomy 12, 29 to 32 says, Beware of the false gods and how others worship their gods. We are not to be like the pagans. Romans 1, 18 to 25 sums it up. The unrighteous serve idols. If we are God's righteous, we don't serve idols, Right? But you say, we don't worship counterfeit gods. We don't worship idols. In fact, you know, you can't go down the street on Payne Avenue to the idol shop because there is none, right? We don't see idol shops around. We, don't, we can't go to NCCC or UB and take a idol making class, right? We don't, so we, a lot of times in our world, we don't think of idols like they were in, in the Bible times. But, We do have idols. They just look different now. Sometimes we have idols that we worship that take the place of what we're supposed to be worshiping with God. Over this past year, there's been a lot of idols revealed, right, that we worship. We call them politicians. So no matter which side of the aisle you're on, 
if I look and, and, and sometimes even talk to people or watch on Facebook of some of the comments that they make, they've placed a politician or a philosophy of, that, of those politics higher than God because that has taken their attention in everything. But as believers, we're, we're not supposed to do that, right? Our attention, our everything is to be the God Almighty, not a politician. In fact, no matter where you fall on politics today, the reality is God places all authority in place, not us. God's perfect plan is being revealed every day. But I know I'm not God. I can't always see or make sense of what I see happening in the world, but I serve a God who is totally in control. He's a sovereign Lord, and his plan will be carried out, no matter what man might think, right? So we live in an awesome time right now because we're seeing God's plan revealed before us. Whether I agree with it or not is irrelevant because I'm not God. And so we have to make sure that we are worshiping the right thing. But it's easy for us to be deceived, right? Very easy for us to be deceived. And the devil, we have an enemy that is always trying to distract us. He's always trying to pull us to get us to wander away from God and not focus on our worship of God, but to focus on our worship of other things. So I'm going to touch on just a few things on how he distracts us. The first thing he does is he tries to keep us busy. That's the easiest thing to keep a believer busy. And we can be busy doing a lot of things and not worship God. We can spend a lot of time in a church setting and not worship God. We can be really busy for God and not have any time for him. And we can even say, but God, I'm busy doing your stuff. And he's like, I want you to just come and sit in my presence. If we look at, um, in the Ten Commandments, there's a commandment about keeping the Sabbath holy. In Exodus, that is given as they've come out of Egypt, okay, in Exodus 20, and he talks very specifically about keeping the Sabbath holy and what the Lord has done. The Lord created, did creations in six days and then rested, and that's our model and so on. But then if, if you've ever noticed in Deuteronomy 5, Okay, at the end of Moses' life, he recites it again to Joshua, and he's going to the people, but this time in Deuteronomy 5, he talks about the Sabbath, but then he refers to of that you were slaves in Egypt. Don't forget that. And what he's talking about is that in Egypt, they were enslaved, and Pharaoh is a picture of an idol because he wanted to be worshipped, right, by all people. And even the Israelites, he wanted to be worshipped and bowed down to, at his feet, no matter whether they were Hebrews or not. And here, God is showing us that, you know what, idols, they will capture all of your time and attention and everything. And idols will always, always, always demand more of you. Doesn't matter what it is. It will always demand more and more and more. Just like in Egypt... With Pharaoh, what did he expect of the Hebrews? More and more and more. In fact, he took away their Sabbath, right? They worked making bricks and everything else seven days a week. God is reminding them, you need to make sure, because I am your God, that you put margin in your life for rest, reflection, and worship of me. 
took me a long time to learn that. Every week, we need to have a Sabbath. Now, sometimes it can be on a Sunday, but it doesn't have to be on a Sunday. But there needs to be a day where we stop and we don't work. We don't do a whole bunch of stuff. We are focused and reflecting back on what all the work that God did that week. And then as we break our, our, our Sabbath, we look forward to all God is going to do in the week ahead. It's a time of rest and reflection. In that, it basically takes away the power and will also reveal to you what idols may have crept into your life. If I find that I can't, because I'm so busy, I can't take a Sabbath, there's something taking my attention. And sometimes it's good stuff. Sometimes it's, it's family. Sometimes it's projects at church. Sometimes it's ministry work that I have to do. But I have to make sure that I take a Sabbath. So for me, it's Friday night until Saturday night. So, sad, so I, don't, I don't rake leaves. I don't do anything on those days. That is my Sabbath. And you know what? When I started doing it, it drove me nuts. Because I have a hard time relaxing when I see there's a list to be done. I'm a list person. You give me a list, i got to complete it. All of it. But in that time, God refocuses me and says, you know what? I've got control of all this. I'm sovereign. You need to worship me. Don't worry about all the other things. So the enemy will do everything to keep us busy. What he'll also do is to get us to focus on ourselves, right? Which is really easy because our pride and our flesh and everything else. But he will get us to the point where we worship ourselves. You know how I can, can know that? If I were to go on your Facebook, how many selfies are on your Facebook? How many selfies are on your Instagram? How many posts do you post about yourself so that other people can see it? Because your desire is to worship yourself, but you want others to worship you as well. Facebook is a big reveal of that. We have to be very careful that we don't get sucked into that. Um, how many of you have watched The Social Dilemma? Nobody. Wow. It's on Netflix. It's a documentary about social media. One of the best I've ever come across. And uh, so I just, that's all I'll say about it. But I would encourage you to watch it. It's, uh, it's very, very interesting. But it all feeds into ourselves. All about ourselves and how they manipulate the, the Facebook and so on. The other thing is, is that he can deceive us into thinking that we're really good. Look at what I've done. Also, with parents, he will deceive us to think that we're being really good parents if we take our kids to every event they want to go to, we focus, we buy them whatever they need, we want to make sure that we take care of them and not just their needs, but their wants as well. We allow for them to basically run the house, okay? There are parents that I know that actually worship their kids. Now, they wouldn't say they do, but if I follow them around and watch how their life and their schedule is, the kids dictate everything. The kids are the center of the universe instead of God. And so we have to be very careful with that. One of the greatest things that you can do as a parent is to teach your kids they're not God. I'd remind my son that multiple times. Okay? Sometimes it was a spank on the bottom, but sometimes it was just a sit down and let's talk. You know, you're not, you're not God and the world doesn't even revolve around you. And that's hard as parents because why? We love them. 
But the Bible tells us, you know, in Hebrews that God chastises those that are his. He disciplines those that are his sons. As parents, we have to make sure that we teach that. There will be a day when our, par when our kids will be our friends. All my kids are that now. They're raised, they're raising kids and so on. They're my friends. They weren't my friends when they were growing up. I didn't want them to be my friend. I was their parent. And we have to learn to do that because it's placing them and teaching them that God is the one that you need to focus on, not yourself or anything else. Focus on God. So we have to be careful of that because the devil can deceive us. The other thing I want to talk about is the devil can deceive us into worshiping the American dream, okay? The, uh, the good job, the nice house, you know, the pursuit of happiness, uh, if you want to say the picket fence, the two cars, two and a half kids, you know, I have enough money so I can buy all the toys that I want to do. I can golf when I want to golf, all that kind of stuff. The American dream, right? The American dream is not biblical. It's not. Now, you might say, yeah, but America was built on biblical principles. That's absolutely right. A lot of our laws are based around biblical principles. But the American dream for us to feed ourselves and pursue happiness is not biblical. To pursue holiness is biblical. But Jesus said to follow him that we may suffer. In fact, he actually said we will be persecuted. In fact, he refers to in Luke, uh, Luke 10 that actually we will be sent out like lambs in a world full of wolves. That doesn't sound like an American dream to me, right? But that Jesus, that was his pep talk to the believers, to the disciples, that that's what it would be like. We would be like lambs in a, a world full of wolves. We have to be on guard because if we think that we can fall into this and everything will be perfect and rosy and everything, we have to be very careful that we are not just in the world. Because as I used to tell kids in my youth group, even a dead fish can go with the flow. We are called in a culture that is going with the flow, we are called to swim upstream as believers. We are to go against the flow of culture that will take us. Jesus said also, you know, the path to hell is wide, but the gate to heaven is narrow. It's, it's difficult to follow Christ when we're following everything else. We have to be very careful of that. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then in Matthew 6, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added to you. I love how um, John Mark Gomer, who is a pastor in Portland, Oregon, he wrote a book called The Garden City, which is is very excellent, but he writes in there he, how, how he defines idolatry. The human quest to take the divine and reduce it to a commodity, something made of wood or stone, something you can buy and sell, something that you can own or have and as a result lose. Idolatry is when we look to the creation for something we can only get from the creator. But God isn't a commodity. He's a spirit, intangible but real, invisible but true. He doesn't have an idol. The closest thing he has is us, his image bearers. God has called us to something greater 
than what this world is. He's called us to himself. Think about that. Ephesians 4.1, Paul says, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you, brother, to have a walk worthy of the calling for which you were called. So if you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, okay, that, is, that should be our driving force to, to, that our life would look like Christ and not look like the world. So the question is, okay, what are the things that I have in my life that, that look a lot like the world and very little like Christ? And that's something for us to each, you know, ask ourselves, in my life and in my world, what are the things that look more like the world than it does look like Christ? We are to be set apart. We are sanctified for his purpose. When Paul also says, a prisoner of the Lord, when you think about a prisoner, right? A prisoner doesn't have, what can they do? They don't have rights. They give up their rights. But in America, what do we talk about all the time? We talk about rights, right? We talk about, I, it's my right. Well, as a follower of Christ, I've given up my rights. I've given them to Christ. So whatever path my life goes on, God is directing that path. Even if it in, includes suffering, persecution, difficult times, poverty, anything. God has ordained that step for me to take. So we ask ourselves, what, you know, what rights do I say? Well, no, okay, Lord, I'll surrender this, but this one, nope, I'm going to stand, I'm an American. And we stand firm on those rights, right? But are you willing to surrender it to the Lord? God called me to himself in 1987. That's where I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for my salvation for eternity. It was sealed. It was April of 1987. And then I had to slowly start surrendering parts of my life. And it's sort of like in World War II. I think of when World War II in the Pacific Islands, um, the Americans, the Japanese would have control of the islands and the Americans would go and they would fight and they'd bomb it for, for sometimes days before they'd ever put an actual American or an actual person on the beach. They would bomb it with all sorts of artillery, sort of to soften up the enemy a little bit. And then what they would do is they would land and all they would do is establish a beachhead. That's all they would do. And then eventually they would just keep taking parts of that island until eventually they conquered it. That's sort of like our, our life. If I look back on my life, before I gave my life to Christ, God was bombarding me with all sorts of stuff. He was softening up my heart so that one day he could get a beachhead in my life. That was in 1987. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is still working in my life to gain territory in my heart that is still part of the world. And every time I think that, okay, God, I've surrendered that to you and I'm good, he reveals to me, oh, there's this other part, yeah, we got to start working on and that's sanctification that's taking my whole life. But God keeps doing it. He does not give up. And there's parts of our life that we have strongholds in that we think are good because we just sort of ignore them and we go along with the culture and it's all that good. But there are idols in our life. There's areas that God needs to work on to say, no, redirect your attention here. This is not healthy for you. God is the true and only God. So my question is, do you believe that? That he is the only true God? 
or are you worshiping other things in your life? And the challenge for us today is, will you make changes in your schedule to create a margin so that you have time to rest and to reflect and to worship God? Will you make changes and priorities in your life so that God does take the right place in your life? For those of you who are parenting, and we parent our whole life, if you have kids, no matter what the age of the kids are, you're always going to be parenting them to some degree. But will you parent your kids rather than worship them? That's... That's hard because I love my kids. They're awesome. They're God's creation. But remember, they're God's creation. They're not the creator. We are to worship the creator. Will you seek him rather than the latest gadget, the latest iPhone, the latest, you name it, fill in the blank. So the question is for us, where are we in that? Individually, where are you? You know, are you truly worshiping a true God or have you allowed counterfeit gods to come into your life? As I said, I'm a missionary. And as I talk to missionaries that live on the field, you know what their greatest need is? It's not money, not food, it's not material things. It's not even more churches. The greatest need that they have is followers of Jesus Christ that are fully surrendered to God and believe that God is greater than all things. I preach in a lot of different churches. I have a lot of different relationships with churches, helping them with missions and so on. You know what the greatest need is for them? Same thing. Think about if just the ones that were in this room were completely sold out, surrendered to God to say, hey, God, whatever you want, whatever you ask, my yes is on the table. You want to send me to another foreign land? I'm in. You want me to go and talk to my neighbors? I'm in. You want me to be a witness for you in some of the most difficult places in, in my area? I'm in. You want me to parent my kids the way the Bible says? and to worship you and teach them that they're not God, but you are, and you're worthy to be worshiped, I'm in. That's what we need, and that's what God calls us to. In Luke 10, Jesus told his disciples before he sent them out, he said to pray for the Lord of the harvest because the laborers are few. That's a challenge to us. It should be a conviction to us as well. There's a lot of different counterfeit gods in our world today, but understand that they're, they're still there. They're there. If you seek truth, the counterfeit ones will always be revealed. I held up the uh, peso bill. Now, I don't know if any of you know of anybody that works with the FBI, um, and it's also the IRS and the, the Treasury Department, that works with counterfeit money. Anybody know anybody that works with them? Okay. If I was to go and work for that agency and I'm going to be a specialist in counterfeit bills, do you know what they allow me to study? 
not all the different counterfeit bills. In fact, I'm not allowed to look at counterfeit bills. I am to study the real one. That's it. When I study the real one, I will immediately identify a counterfeit one, no matter how it's counterfeit, because I know it's not the true one. We are to be the same way. If we are studying God's word, God gave us truth. That's his word of God. If we are studying the word of God, we will immediately identify a counterfeit God. Why? Because we know the true one. And we can just say, you're not, you're not it. It'll be easy for us. But instead, we're a lot of times out there as believers looking in the world, oh, is that one real? Is that one real? Whatever. And we get deceived because we don't really know the true one. And so as I close today, the challenge for us, do we know the true God? Do we worship the true God? And there may be somebody here that you're, you're in the church and you're, you're enjoying the fellowship and the friendship and they've loved you and accepted you and so on, but you haven't truly surrendered to the one true God. You don't know him yet. Today might be the day that you put your faith and trust completely in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is the true God, the only one that said, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty plain and simple, right? But today might be the day that you say, I want to know the true God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you for this time. And, and Lord, I just thank you for these sweet people and their attention. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is, is convicting, nudging, moving their hearts to be completely surrendered to you, following you in a world that is crazy and uncertain right now. But Lord, you are immovable. You are a God that is there. You are the beginning and the end. And we thank you so much for that, that we can put our faith and trust in you, the true God. With every eye closed and head bowed, I would just ask you to think right now. Ask yourself, who am I serving? Am I serving a counterfeit God? Am I serving myself? Am I serving my children? Am I serving my job? What am I worshiping? Am I worshiping other things other than, than the God Almighty? Give the Holy Spirit a moment to just speak to you in this silence. And I know if I had access to look at your phone history, your Facebook, your checkbook, your schedule, it probably would reveal who you're really worshiping. Let the Holy Spirit direct you back to God. Take time now to just confess that you haven't truly been focused on God. You've been focused on a bunch of other things. But you want to redirect your gaze to him and him only.
Thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.